You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Now here's your host, Chris McPherson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the week one regular season edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast. And I'm joined alongside my main man, Alex Smith. C-Mac. Eagles, get it going this Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. I am fired up. It's time. It's the Carson Wentz era, the Doug Peterson era, everything. What a turn of events in the past week or so we've had here. Truly remarkable, to say the least. And helping us behind the scenes here, Brian Thomas, listening through the headphones. And Ricky Shushine doing a great job editing (laughs) behind the scenes. So thank you very much for all of the great replies, comments, tweets that you sent to us. We got one from Emily, who loved the Bo Allen edition last week. Thank you very much, Em. We appreciate the feedback. This week, a special guest, wide receiver, Jordan Matthews, your starting slot receiver who I believe ranks 10th all-time in NFL history in most receptions in the first two years Hmm. of his career. A remarkable start to his NFL beginnings here in Philadelphia. Led the team in catches yards, had eight touchdowns as well last season. 16 in his first two campaigns. I believe 152 total receptions. Mm-hmm. A tremendous player, not only on the field, but off the field, taking a leadership role inside the locker room, especially with that young receiving core. And Alex, we had quite a bit to get into with him. Not even just the on the field stuff, a lot of stuff away from the gridiron. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's hard to talk to him him without bringing up Kanye West. Of course. Which, as you'll hear, is something that we did get into. And he has an outstanding Kanye West story which shouldn't be that much of a surprise, but still a a little bit of a surprise to hear. But a really entertaining guy on and off the field. And he's done a lot for this team on the field. You mentioned the numbers that he's had his first two years. Got off to that slow start last year in 2015, and the fans, I think, kind of got on him a little bit. But he really found a way to turn things around. And he was a big reason why the Eagles went on a little bit of of a hot streak there late in the season as they tried to push back. But certainly an entertaining interview, to say the least. All right, so we're going to get into his love of Kanye, as well as his upbringing in Madison, Alabama. A little later on in the podcast, we're going to bring in his brother, Justin Matthews, to find out what type of brother Jordan was like growing up. But first, our interview with wide receiver Jordan Matthews. Third year wide receiver Jordan Matthews, one of the all-time most prolific receivers in NFL history through the first two years of his career. Jordan, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? How you doing? Glad to be here. I didn't even know any of that stuff that you just said, but I appreciate it. Okay, you're just going to build upon that. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. You got to put behind you and keep growing. Take a look back in the past. For sure. Don't mind reflecting here a little bit. Only for you. But (laughs) going back in time, let's go back to Madison, Alabama. Okay. What was life like growing up? in Madison. Life in Madison is slow, man. Not a lot of things to do. A lot of land, a lot of country. Go to school, come home, get your schoolwork done, and go outside and play with the kids in the neighborhood. So my parents were big on education and also big on us being active, me and my brother. So we definitely stayed in line. We played by the rules, but at the same time, we got out and had a little bit of fun. But for the most part, there ain't a whole lot to do. There's really just a big rocket out there, and then that's it. A big rocket? Yeah, we're called the Rocket City because of the U.S. Space and Rocket Center. is actually in Huntsville, Alabama. Okay. So I have no idea why they put the United States Space <laughs> Rocket Center <laughs> in Mass, Alabama. I don't know how we got chosen, but literally you'll be driving this land cotton and a big rocket and there's more land and cotton so can't miss it. Isn't that where Space Camp is too? That is where Space Camp have you been? I've never been. I've had a friend who's gone like four times. I mean, you were excited to ask about it. I would have thought that you were in or something. Man. Like, no, I Space was going to ask you if you ever Did went. Did you ever go? You know what's crazy is I really wanted to go to Space Camp but the year that my school was supposed to take my grade they actually 
like took a two year sabbatical from it. So the crazy thing oh. was the two years that Madison Academy did not send kids to space camp were mine and my brother's fourth grade years. They knew I was going to tear that place up, man. I was going to be standing <laughs> on the moon with aliens and everything. So they were like, no, nah, we don't need the Matthews brothers to come to space camp. So we're going to take Mars. Oh, yeah. Maybe Mars, too. Tell us about your parents. Uh, man, my parents, man, they're definitely one of a kind. Be- definitely two strong people, strong in their faith, strong in discipline, very strict. They both took on separate roles, though, with us. My mom was huge on education, okay. so she was big on coming home, getting in your books. I mean, I could probably count on my hand the number of TV shows I watched when I was a kid. I mean, it was come home and get in your books. Even in the summer, she used to go get oh. books for the next year and have us do I'm like, this isn't even, like, <laughs> fair. This is against the rules. Like, we're not supposed to be doing books right now. And we'd be doing reading and comprehension, English, math, and social studies during the summer before we could go outside and play with kids. <laughs> but my dad, he was big with the sports. He was big on us being active. So literally, he did everything with us. He never missed a sporting event. He was always outside throwing us the football, playing basketball with us. i tell you something that's funny. A lot of my friends used to play AAU basketball in okay. the summer. But my parents were like, nah, that's a scam. We're not going to let it's you guys play. They thought it was a scam. My mom thought it was a scam to take people's money. But I'm like, people are going to the NBA, mom. This is definitely a proven thing. <laughs> but she was like, nah, it's a scam. You guys aren't going to play AAU basketball. So my dad says, all right, guys, you're going to go to Matthew's camp. Like, what's that? That's literally both me and my brother playing in the backyard with my dad, <laughs> doing one-on-ones against <laughs> each other serious? for a whole summer. Yeah, so that was Matthew's camp every year. But hey, it worked out. Were other kids invited? No, it was me and my brother one-on-one. It was all day, just seeing the same person. So he knew all my moves. So by the time I saw other kids, it got easy. So was it just basketball or would it be wiffle ball tournaments, kickball, things that you do during the summer? Everything, was it, it was everything. everything. My neighbors had a fence that was kind of close to our backyard. So we used to do home run derby. We would do one-on-one routes with my dad's the quarterback. My brother would be cornering. I'd be receiver. One-on-one basketball. My dad would be the referee. Kickball. I mean, dodgeball. We did everything together. You would have thought we had five other guys out there, but it was just me and my brother <laughs> and our imaginary friends. So it was fun. And your imaginary friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> your brother's older. He is. Correct. He is. My brother's older. Looks just just like me, identical. We act the same, but he's five nine. So he's five nine. My mom's five. I think she's five five. My dad's five eleven. He says six foot, but he's really five eleven. Right. People make a lot of jokes and ask how tall the mailman was because I'm six four. But I don't think that's a funny joke. My mom's a very wholesome lady. But still, though, it's a joke nonetheless because I'm like the tallest person, and it's crazy how much taller I am than the rest of my family. It's just one of those things. But I tell you what, my brother was a hard worker, and so he taught me how to really have a chip on your shoulder because in order for him to be good at five nine, he had to work that much. Harder. So I was six four, but I worked like I was five nine. So that's where that work ethic came from for you. If my brother's doing ten pushups, I got to do twenty. Is that where it all started for you? Exactly. You know, obviously I already hit on how my parents were always big on driving me, and then they were both people who were continuing to climb the ladder in their respective fields when I was growing up. So seeing people grow and seeing success also helped me want to be a part of that too. But then with my brother, like I said, him not having the same stature that I had, he was so driven just to be even good in high school. I remember he saved up money to order a pull-up bar, and he put it outside his bedroom door and every time he came in and out of his bedroom he would always do 10 pull-ups and so when I started seeing him do that I was like man well I can't let him be the only one doing this so I'd do it and then he'd also do 100 push-ups and 100 sips a night and over time I was like oh well I guess I gotta do that too so it just made me better so you played basketball you played soccer could you have gone pro in either of those two? I definitely could have gone pro in basketball, for sure. I feel like if I put my mind to it, I could do anything because I know I would have put the time in it. I would have had the faith and I would have worked at it. Soccer wasn't big in Alabama, so mm. I didn't know of anybody really going to big colleges or anything like that or getting noticed for soccer. But I know with basketball, there were a lot of scouts there for college basketball growing up in Huntsville, Alabama. But by my sophomore year, I started figuring I'd rather be a tall football player than a short basketball player. So I 
decided to go with football. Well, peer pressure pushed you to football. It sure did. Yeah, all my friends started making fun of me because I was playing soccer. They said I was soft. <laughs> so I decided to show them that I was tough, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go play football. And the first tackling drill they put me in, I got knocked out. So I was like, all right, man, forget this jump. So <laughs> I was like, maybe they're right. Then they put me outside a receiver, and the coach was like, all you got to do is stand here and just catch the ball whenever we throw it to you. So I'm like, I don't got to be in there with those guys. He was like, nope. Stand out here. I'm like, all right, cool. I can do this for a whole career. I'm still doing it. Toughest hit you've ever taken? Oh, man. Toughest hit? Uh, I took some last year, man. The toughest hit I probably took, I probably don't even remember. So, but I don't like you put it? Exactly. So, I probably don't even remember it. You played a little defensive back, too, in high school, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Could you have gone pro as a defensive back in the NFL? Yeah, if they didn't make you tackle, you know what I'm saying? I was, <laughs> I was ball hog, man. Like eight. I had like eight interceptions my senior year. But, man, I was like, man, what's this tackling stuff? I mean, that's for the linebackers. So I used to love going after the ball. You know what I'm saying? Now, if I had to, I would. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'd take ankles out real quick. There are quick. a few corners in this league. Oh, yeah. And some who have played in Philadelphia who <laughs> like to go for the ball and don't really want to tackle. So. Hey, man, I'm going for that ball all day, man. You get paid for picks, so as they say. Every defensive back is a receiver who's just not good enough to play receiver on a full-time basis. That's it's, basically what it comes down to. Essentially, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's why I stuck a receiver. They were like, all right. You don't want to tackle, but you get a lot of picks for us. All right, let's keep you going at receiver, and it kind of helped out and really worked. So you're first team All-State in high school. Yep. But you didn't have a lot of offers yeah. for college, is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, So correct. how did you end up at Vanderbilt? Crazy story, yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't get any really big notoriety because nobody had ever gone Division One from my high school before. So that really didn't help. So we didn't have a lot of college okay. scouts coming in and out. I remember finishing my last high school game on the field, and I was like, wow, I don't have any offers. I haven't sent any college applications because I've been telling my mom I'm definitely going to go play college football somewhere. There was no hope in sight of me actually playing in college. And then what was crazy is around December, after I got done playing, Bradley Roby, who's actually a defensive back for the Broncos, Broncos now, yeah, first round pick, yeah. he was committed to Vanderbilt okay. before he went to Ohio State. He decommitted from Vanderbilt on Christmas Eve, and... I was literally just next on the list because Vanderbilt was talking about possibly gray shirting me, but nobody was talking about extending an offer. So Vanderbilt, Coach Caldwell calls me and says, hey, you know, we just had a guy decommit, so there's one more receiver spot, and your name's up next on the list, so, you know, make us proud, so we're going to give you a scholarship. So literally, that was my only scholarship. I have one scholarship at home, and it is from Vanderbilt <laughs> University. Nowhere else. Jacksonville State, <laughs> Athens State, online. You're calling out colleges uh, now. now. Virginia College. I don't got offers from nobody, but Vanderbilt, that's all I needed. Now so I can see out. your mom saying... They better have a good education. Yeah, exactly. That's the most important thing I can see in her mind. So I don't care where you go to school. It's got to have a good program for business, economics, engineering, what have you. Dude, we went like 2 and 10 my first year when I was at Vanderbilt. And I was like, Mom, this year was awful. She was like, what was your GPA? I was like, dude, you don't get it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so what was your GPA? It was a 3.4. Okay. So she was cool. She didn't care that we went 2 and 10. I'm like, yeah. come on, man. I need some help in this football aspect. But we definitely got better when it came to you know the field. I mean, I think my class that came in, we ended with having having the most wins of any class ever in Vanderbilt history. We ended our last two seasons at 9-4. and four. We went to three straight bowl games, and we won two. I'm like, Vanderbilt's whole history as a school, we only had five bowl wins. My class had two of them. So it was definitely something we were proud of. What did it mean for you to be a part of that? Because most players want to go to a big-time program, whether it's SEC, AC, what have you, and build on the legacy that's already there. You got to go to a school that was in the SEC but didn't really have that prestige. So what was it like to help build that program and to be a big part of the historic stretch that it had? It meant a lot to me because playing at Vanderbilt teaches you a lot more than I feel like going to some of those other schools do. You know, I'm never going to knock the lessons that other guys learn. I guarantee you there's lessons that guys 
do learn from going to big schools. You know, they have to deal with maybe higher expectations day in, day out, and those pressures. But when you go out there every single day and work at Vanderbilt, it teaches you to work hard and have blind faith because there's no pro scouts every day at practice. There's no preseason rankings that are telling you that people expect you to win games, go to SEC championships, or go to the national championship. So every single day after we got done working out and I was out there working cones or on the dummies or catching on the jugs, there was nobody like, oh, you know what, Jordan, man, people think you're going to go pro. Nobody said that and nobody thought that. It had to be something inside of me that had to drive me to that. And not just me, but the other guys in that building with me at Vanderbilt that said, you know what, we're going to change the direction of this program and we're going to change the identity of this place. And for us to do that at Vanderbilt, I I think that's just as good as any national championship. And I know people are always going to say, oh, well, you didn't win that, whatever. I believe success is what you do with what you've been given. The guys that we had at Vanderbilt, we had to manufacture weight. Some of them dudes at LSU, they are freaking born in a swamp and they walk out of water and they're 364 pounds. In full of protein and anger. And Is I'm that just how like, Benny dude, Logan was created? Uh, that's how created. Ben, look at Benny Logan. <laughs> Benny Logan was going to be Benny Logan, whether he lifted weights or not. He is an animal. He's half human, half amazing. He was you know? born with that beard. Exactly. <laughs> dude, the guys on my team at Vanderbilt look like you guys. I'm not insulting you guys. I'm just saying. We wow. have to be on you guys. I'm wow. not saying. Look, we Please. still won, right? Yes. We still won, so yeah. it's all good. But at the same time, man, <laughs> it was just a situation where we did not have a lot. And I tell people all the time, to play at Vanderbilt is the hardest challenge in college football. It's the only school in the whole nation that has the academic requirements that we have in the hardest conference outside of the NFC and AFC. It's no question. Stanford, don't give me Stanford. Sorry, Ertz, but they play in the Pac-12. They play 7-on-7 seven seven out there. Don't give me Duke. <laughs> it's in the ACC. The SEC is the hardest conference in football outside of the pros, and the academic requirements that we have stop us from getting the type of players that a lot of other teams can get. If you can win at Vanderbilt, I believe that's the biggest accomplishment in college football. So does Ertz give you a hard time about that? Does yeah, he, he does all the time. I mean, look, man, and that's my boy. No knock on Ertz, because look, Stanford's got talent. Andrew Luck's a beast. Obviously, Ertz, I feel like he's one of the best tight ends in the league. So I'm not saying they don't have talent. Don't give me, I'm just saying... <laughs> If I take Stanford and put them in the SEC, some of them years going to look different. Because them games where you have that off game, you ain't playing Wazoo. You're playing LSU. It's different. I mean, I can show you some of the schedules that we played during the season. We're like, oh, my goodness. This is like the Bugs Bunny versus the Monstars. Like, it was crazy every time we went out there and played, man. But it got you tougher, and it helped me with my transition of coming to the NFL. So you came into the NFL in one of the best wide receiver classes of all time. What's the relationship like between you and some of those other guys, the Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, those guys? It's a good relationship. I mean, I feel like we all kind of knew what we were going to be able to come in and do. We knew that we are going to get opportunities. Before we all got to the league, the conversation with wide receivers was always that it took you about three or four years for guys to get going. You know, none of us really believed that. We all felt that we could come in and make an impact quickly. And then just the way kind of everything was set up, we knew we were all going to go to teams that kind of would give us that opportunity. We knew the Panthers needed help at receiver. We knew the Eagles were going to have a vacancy at receiver that they wanted to fill. We knew about the Giants, the Buccaneers with Vincent Jackson getting older. The Bills were talking about they needed somebody. So we were all at the combine looking at mm-hmm. each other like, hey, guys, we're about to go early, so we yeah. need to get this thing cracking. But at the same time, there was a mutual respect amongst everyone. Okay. You know, I've got Mike Evans, Jarvis Landry's, and Odell's jerseys actually at my place in Nashville. I talk to those guys frequently and like we all have just that respect for each other even though we might not be just like buddy-buddy every single day hanging out. It may not be like that but every time we see, I see those guys whenever we play, they're one of the first guys, you know, I always go over and talk to, you know, especially during pregame and postgame. Is there a friendly rivalry? 
are you looking at each one's stats, each one's success to kind well, of? I think there's always some of that stuff in the back of your head. It's naturally a competitive sport, so you're always going to want to do better sometimes the next person. I don't try and let that stuff consume me because then, you know, you start worrying about that stuff, then you're totally out of whack with what you need to really be focusing on when it comes to football. My sole focus is the Eagles winning. Those guys can go as many Pro Bowls as they want to. If the Eagles win a Super Bowl, I could care less. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, you know, there is that silent competition, but there's also an understanding that you're still comparing apples and oranges. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? It's like certain guys are in different situations. Guys are in different schemes. Guys are different quarterbacks. Some guys have been hurt. Some guys have not. There's so many different factors that go into it that we would never just equate numbers to who's better and who's worse and all that stuff. Like I said, that respect is across the board. As long as those guys know that I'm going out there and balling and they're doing their thing, that respect will always stay the same. Obviously, you play Odell Beckham twice a year with the Giants. Yeah. You played him in the SEC. What's your relationship like with him? And when you played against him in college, could you see, like, this guy's going to be something? The crazy thing about me and Odell's relationship is it sparked really, you know, I know. And this is why I don't think people really understand, you know, about Odell. They see this stuff now, but they understand how really humble he is at his core. Because you can see, like, the flashy stuff, the dance and all that stuff. But at the same time, when a man goes to work every day and he competes, obviously he's chasing something. And if if you have a goal in mind and you're driven, therein lies humility because you know that you're not as good as you want to be. You know that there's more out there that you can attain. And that's the way he works. The crazy thing was when I was in college, I used to watch him and Jarvis on film all the time. Now, obviously in the SEC, I was considered the top dog. I had the most catches, yards, and everything. So everybody was essentially looking up to what I had been doing in college. So out of nowhere on Twitter, Odell, he just hit me up and was like, what's up, big dog? Like, out of nowhere. And Odell will tell you, After his freshman year, he got freshman SEC. His sophomore year, he had two touchdowns, okay? That was it. And both of them were versus Towson. Towson, (laughs) I don't even know what conference they play in. This is the same Odell Beckham is doing the same thing he's doing. But a lot of people did not see the greatness that he was going to be able to attain at that point except for him. So when he contacted me, that's the Odell I know, the What's up, big dog? And then we had a conversation, and we're talking about watching each other's film. We're talking about where we're going to train, and then we're coordinating how we're both going to go out to Arizona and train with each other before the combine. And we're throwing extra every day, and we're running routes extra every single day. So it's so crazy. Like, you know, now everybody sees this side, and they talk about this side. I'm like, man, that's one of the most humble and hardworking dudes that I know. And the best part about Odell is he has fun with it. A lot of guys, they take this big thing and they let it consume them. And then once it takes your joy away, then at that point, you might as well stop playing because you're not free. He's very free. He's fun to watch. Whenever I get a chance to talk to him, I always talk to him. Definitely a good relationship that will last a long time. He's in the tabloid. You're not, though. Yeah, but that, that's just because we, <laughs> we're we a little bit different in that sense. You know, I got a, I got a buzz because he's got gold hair, so I think he's going to be in tabloids a little bit more. <laughs> you mentioned your home in Nashville. Is it true, whether it's your childhood home or now, you have Kanye West microphone? Yeah. In your house? I do. I have it in Alabama. The one in Alabama, okay. Because if somebody was going to try and steal it, I got to see them coming. I can see them coming from a long way in Alabama, <laughs> so we're going to be able to take them out before they get close to the house. How did you acquire said microphone? What happened was, man, I'm at the concert. It's my first ever Kanye concert. It's my senior year, senior year of college. And uh, he comes to Nashville, and me and my brother are right there by the stage. And so, literally, the whole concert, you know, I know every single word to the song, so we vibing the whole time. They're, like, I mean, every time we made eye contact, I'm word for word with him. So he already knows, like, look, bro, like, I've been here, dog. Like, all these other guys are phonies. I've been a Kanye fan. So 
what happens is the last song he gets to is bound to it's on his uh, newest album he just gets this this one part at the end of the song. I don't know what happened, but he looked over at me and he just hands me the mic and says, "Here, you do the part." And so I finished the song <laughs> in Bridgestone Arena. Is there Nashville, a YouTube Tennessee. video of this anyway? It's, it's yeah. not. It's not on YouTube. And I'm glad it's not because not for people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Every everybody wants everything to be on camera no more. I don't want it to be on camera. That was me and Ye's moment. That's not for everybody. <laughs> So the crazy thing was, man, is the whole time I'm doing yeah. the part, it's weird when I talk about it. I'm like, this really happened, but it did. Yeah. Kanye's vibe with me. So like, wherever y'all think y'all did that was cool in the last 20 years, Kanye was vibed with me on one of his own songs. We're just jamming. Then at the end of the part, I look at him and I'm like, yo, like at this point we cool. I'm like, yo, yay, like you want your mic back. He's like, nah, bro, you keep it. And that was the end of the concert. Like, I kid you not. I look back at my brother, my brother's mouth wide open. His eyes like bloodshot. He can't believe it. The crazy thing about that concert, though, was Kendrick Lamar opened up for Kanye. So Kendrick Lamar slick opened up for me. You know what I'm saying? Because I performed that night. So that's why I tell everybody, man. Kanye slick opened up for you. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So I was the finale, man. It was a great night. Dude, and the security guard had the nerve to be like, hey, you know, I know you got that microphone. Do you uh, need security? I said, dude, if anybody (laughs) tries to steal this microphone, dude, I don't need security at all, bro. It's going to be on and popping. So no, I didn't need security. It was cool. Is the microphone in like a case? Is it like framed? Yeah, I got yeah, I got to sit up on my desk at home, bro. It was a great story, very cool. I think there was a tweet. Somebody tweeted at you after the draft something about like does Carson Wentz know Kanye? <laughs> I think mm-hmm. you said that he's going to learn the playbook mm-hmm. and he's going to learn the life of Pablo. Mm-hmm. So does he know it yet? No, he doesn't know it yet. I'm giving Carson some time. Life of Pablo is too complex right now for him, man. That playbook's easy, but that life of Pablo, <laughs> man, is. You can't start with the life of Pablo. A lot, gotta... lot of layers, man. I feel like, you know, I want to start him off with college dropout. Mm-hmm. But, man, that's deep, too, you know. I got to ease the rook in, man. But uh, he picks up a lot of information really well. So we'll see what he <laughs> what he can do with uh, some of the Kanye albums. Have you converted any of your teammates? Dude, yeah. It's somewhat hard because, you know, whenever I talk to him about it, oh, it's all oh, your bias, your bias. I'm like, dude, I know good music, though. Kanye's my favorite. But I listen to everybody. Okay. I mean, I listen to everybody. And I'm not just talking about hip-hop. Of course, what I got What else is on Jay your playlist Cole. right now? Okay. If you go through your playlist, so what do you got? So I would go through my playbook. First is going to definitely be Kanye. I got Kanye, J. Cole, love Erica Badu. I okay. love Jay-Z. Drake's always going to be in there. I also like X Ambassadors. I like Imagine Dragons. I like The Weeknd. I like Sia. Love Beyonce. I like Rihanna's new album. Um, I saw Ertz was trying to get you to listen to Mumford and Sons. Mumford too. and Sons. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah, yeah. I got a couple of those songs, but the whole thing, I was like, I can't put this whole thing on there, bro. It's, some of this stuff is kind of, this ain't me. But still, it was, it, there's some good tracks. So, I really feel like all music is somewhat the same. All of it is still intertwined. Like, I went to Nashville, country music capital, and I grew to like love country music. Like, I used to think the jungle was whack. But I like it now a lot. Like, I can sit at a place now and listen to a whole country concert and be just fine because I really feel like all the music is really intertwined, though. But Kanye still is just at the top. So I've been able to converse some of them. The ones that have actually took the time to listen, they've seen the light. Have you gotten anyone else on the team addicted to Kanye the way that you are addicted to him? Like Zach Ertz, for example. Bro, Zach is the most focused person on his goals that I've ever seen. He's so focused that it's almost like... It makes you just feel like, oh, my gosh, will I ever be great? Because I trust me, I'm about that action. If you want to call me at any time, let's go get it. But this dude, Zach, will call me at, like, 2 on a random day in the summer. I'm like, what's up, bro? Hey, how'd your workout go today? I'm like, Zach, can you ask me how my mom's doing? Like, can you ask me, <laughs> like, you know, how my girl yeah. is or how's life? 
he's strictly business, man. That is it. That's all he is. Like, he Snapchats me his meals every night to show me that he's eating healthy. <laughs> I'm like, Zach, I don't care, bro. I don't care that you're eating sauteed fish in a whole grain taco. Like, I do not care. But he thinks I care. So yeah. he sends me him all the time. So I'm just like, I always send him back. Like, that's great, Zach. But I mean, he's <laughs> driven, bro. Dude, you know what's crazy? The World Cup. So we went out to San Diego to go work out, right? And okay. the World Cup, when his girl, Julie, mm-hmm. playing the World Cup, right? They win the World Cup. He's supposed to come out to San Diego the next day. That night, after they win the Cup, I get a text from Zach at like 11 o'clock. I'm like, surely this is a glitch on my phone. That Zach Ertz is not texting me after his fiance just won the World Cup. Sorry, Julie, I'm telling this story. Yeah. He texts me and says, hey, bro, can you text me the workout that you guys did today and text me the one that you guys are going to do tomorrow because I might be a little late because of my flight and I might have jet lag. I said, Zach, if you do not go celebrate this World Cup <laughs> with Julie, I'm going to kill you. And we had 10 sit-ups. We had 12. <laughs> then, <laughs> and then, then I gave him the workout. Exactly. So I still had to let him be great, man. But the dude's driven, man. He's focused, man. He wants to be great. It's cool to be around guys like that because whenever you have a day where you might not be feeling it, you know he's going to bring that energy for you. So he's a good friend to me. Jordan Matthews, thank you very much. It's no been a fun time here All on right. the Eagles' entire podcast. No doubt. So we're going to transition now. We talked to Jordan Matthews. We want to get a different take on who Jordan was growing up, and we decided to give his brother Justin a call. We're going to tell Justin just how much respect Jordan has for him and learn more about this Camp Matthews. How tough was it really? So here's our interview with Jordan Matthews' brother, Justin. Justin, can you explain to us what Jordan was like growing up being the little brother? Man, that is a serious question. Well, being the older brother, I've known Jordan since birth, so I've gotten to see him grow up through the years. What's the age difference between you two? 16 months. We were real close. We basically grew up like twins because if you look at us, we look very alike, and people thought we were twins growing up until the height started changing. I'm like 5'9", and he's 6'3", 6'4". Jeez. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. He was eating my Wheaties or something back in the day. But the young Jordan Matthews was very fun, kind of a troublemaker growing up. Nothing like bad, just like more of, um, you know, like a class clown. And, you know, we went to the same high school, and we were only a grade apart and played on all the same sports teams. So we were together literally our whole lives and no separation until I went to college. Jordan Matthews is just a fun guy. He's gotten a lot more grown up, you could say, ever since he entered the league. That just comes with maturity. So he has started to change in some of his antics and stuff. But still a fun guy, very talkative and friendly. So Jordan told us about what he called Camp Matthews, which was basically your dad taking you guys outside and making you go out and working out and and playing all these different sports, really whatever you could do. What was Camp Matthews like from your perspective? Camp Matthews, it was long and hard. It was was just outside of the backyard, really. We'd have like a different lesson we would do typically every day. One big one was over the shoulder catching, so he'd have us outside. So I'd go first, then Jordan would go, and we just continued. He'd just be throwing the ball to us. It's a lot of drills. He even had us out there with our pads on sometimes just tackling each other, just doing some Oklahomas, <laughs> which I thought was kind of weird. And since we played all three sports, just whatever season we were in, that's what Camp Matthews would display. Go from football to basketball to baseball. So It's funny because Everything. brothers are going to wrestle anyway. So... Your dad's probably like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to encourage it. I'll give you guys the pad so at least it's somewhat safe and he'll supervise it. So he, he's probably trying yeah. to get the energy out. 
you know, he doesn't want two young men bouncing all around the house. So he figures, you know what, I'll take them outside. I'll let them get their energy out and then be able to go from there. Mm, he was all about that organized because I remember one time we got in a fight in the house and he came upstairs and won the fight. So, you know, <laughs> it was all about more organized structure competing after that. Justin, Jordan has been known in his first two plus seasons here in Philadelphia for his incredible work ethic. One of the things that practice is he'll catch the ball and he'll run every route to the end zone, no matter where he catches the ball, whether it's the end of the play or not. And he said that he learned that work ethic from you because you mentioned the difference in height. And he said that he noted that you always had to work harder for what you had. And it's something that he admired about you. And it helped him become the person and the player that he is today. Did he always kind of take to you? Was he always following you around? Could you tell that he was trying to follow in your footsteps, so to speak? I guess growing up, not really. We grew up together, did everything together. You know, that was just because we were brothers. So we were always together regardless. But as far as him like mimicking me, I wouldn't say that. And I guess just growing up, since we were so close in age, we just did everything. I would try one time and he would try one time. And we really got to grow from each other, play against one another and each other's like strengths and weaknesses and just try and grow in that. And his hard work, I feel like it really, I guess junior year in high school is when it really started to blossom because before that, he was just playing off athleticism. You know, he was always really good, but after that, he really started to, I guess I started to notice a change in sort of his habits and he took practice more seriously in all the sports. So it's funny to see the whole progression and how um, his attitude started to change and decided what he really wanted to do and really um, wanted to become early on. That helped him grow into the person he wants to be today. So since you guys are so close in age, you knew a lot of the same people, you probably hung out in a lot of the same places. As he's kind of maturing into the athlete that he's become, did you ever have to make sure that he was staying on the right track? Or did you ever have a conversation with him to say, like, you might really be something here. Let's make sure we do things the right way. No, we, we were um, pretty good kids growing up. We had a very good crowd. Just our environment that our parents set us up in really helped where we didn't get into a lot of riffraff. That's just the way we were brought up. So we just had a good nucleus around us, and I never really had to tell them anything like that or, you know, like, hey, you probably want to not hang out with this individual or anything like that, or mm -hmm. he never had to tell me vice versa. So it just really worked out in the environment, which is like a perfect storm, you could say, which is the people we were around. We never really had to worry about it. Justin, as a follow-up to that, have you seen fame change him at all? in the last couple of years, coming to Philadelphia and being a second-round pick and having the success that he's had early in his NFL career? No. It's funny just seeing people ask for autographs from him. Because I'm like, why do you want his autograph? That's crazy to me, I think. But, um, You're like, that's my, that's my um, little brother. Exactly. Like, that's from everybody that's known him since Huntsville and stuff. Everybody thinks that. And the celebrity really hasn't changed him at all, in my opinion. If anything, it's helped him understand that he has now more responsibilities. I will say that. So it's only changed him in a positive light. So he's more um, conscious of his actions to other people and what he's saying and what he's doing. And so that's really been the biggest change for him. But as far as being really flashy or anything like that, I'm glad his fashion has kind of changed. So that's improved. Um, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So his fashion has changed. So what was the problem before? It was just a lot of gym clothes, a lot of sweats everywhere. He still know. does that, though. Um, I, I feel like I always see him in like gym clothes. It's just nicer gym clothes, I guess you would say. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. The gym clothes have kind of upgraded since then. But he's gotten a little bit better. That's what I would say about where he's come from. 
So obviously now he's playing at a professional level, but you're still the older brother. So when you guys meet up, do you still kind of give him a hard time? Do you critique his game and anything like that? Oh, I have to. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) That's a requirement, I think, for all older brothers. So we definitely talk about the game, talk about life in general for the most part, where we really kind of get to detach sometimes from football because so much of his life is football. But, you know, absolutely just me and my family, we definitely are looking at the games and like, I think could have done this or, you know, but he's a professional. I'll pretend like I know a lot more than I do, but it's always cool to tell him about himself and make sure you stay hungry, stay humble. I mean, at least your brother gave him advice. Every fan in Philadelphia, especially, has an opinion. I mean, at the very least, you're his brother, so he'll listen to you. Justin, my last one for you here. Who is more obsessed with Kanye? Jordan Matthews has me by, like, the umpteenth power. Like, it's not even... It's not even a discussion, really. He definitely has me. Like, some of the stuff that Kanye does, I'm like, why did he do that? And Jordan's like, no, nah, he was trying to explain it. Every, everything that Kanye does has an explanation. And I'm like, Jordan, you can't justify this. You can't justify some of the stuff he's doing. But that's his boy. I definitely enjoy me some Kanye, too, but he got me. Like, that's his man crush, for real. Justin Matthews, the older brother of Eagles wide receiver Jordan Matthews, thank you very much for joining us here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. All right, thanks, guys. Great stuff there from Jordan and Justin Matthews. We appreciate them very much for coming on this edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast. Special shout out to the two men behind the scenes making it happen, Brian Thomas and Ricky Shushine. Thank you, gentlemen. Indeed. Any comments, tweets, likes, whatever are greatly appreciated, whether you listen on iTunes, Stitcher, or right on the Eagles mobile app. Thank you very much for all the love. I think that's going to do it for us here, Alex. Sounds good. The regular season is upon us. Can't wait for Sunday. Definitely, definitely the case there. So that's going to do it for another edition of the Eagles Entire Podcast. For Alex Smith, I'm Chris McPherson. Everyone, have a great Eagles day. We'll be back with a new episode next week.